Welcome to Author Express, where you get to discover the voice behind the pages of your favorite book. I'm your host, Shauna Rodriguez, and I'm glad you chose to be here with us. I'm looking forward to the author we have to chat with us today. Kathleen Basie is the quintessential jack-of-all-trades writer, award-winning musical composer, feature writer, essayist, and of course, storyteller. Basie spent her childhood drawing inspiration for stories from the fields and trees on her family's farm when she wasn't climbing on tractors and jumping off hay bales. She also spent several summers on epic cross-country RV trips with her grandparents, which undoubtedly helped inspire her debut women's fiction, A Song for the Road. It's the story of a musician who, a year after losing her entire family, embarks on a cross-country pilgrimage to the place where they died, guided by a road trip app written by her daughter. Best-selling author Carrie Ann King writes, in a novel filled with music, heartbreak, and surprising laughter, Basie takes us on a journey that encompasses both unimaginable loss and the powerful resilience of the human heart. Kathleen is the mother of three rambunctious boys, three that is always breaking something, and one chromosomally gifted daughter, Down syndrome, more alike than different. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yes, I'm so excited to learn more about your book and a little bit more about your process. So tell me, What is the most interesting thing about where you are from? Well, you know, in that lovely intro that you read, you learned that I was from a farm. And I thought I would um, share that the night before I started high school, I put curlers in my hair like sponge rollers Mm -hmm. and was trying to get all prettied up for my first day of my freshman year. And then the cattle got out. And Uh so I went outside in a um, pink nightdress and curlers in my hair and ran around the field for about two hours chasing cattle in. But were, did you still have curls the next morning? Did the curls work out? Oh, yes. Well, the curls were there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you had that nice visual. I like that. That's a good visual of, of how it really worked. Right. <laughs> how, how how life really is. I feel like I should use that in a book someday. Yeah, it is a very good visual. I definitely <laughs> like that. Yeah. I also grew up on a farm. I can definitely remember that. I remember actually hiding under a table when the during a big storm when the cows got out and our parents had to go take care of the cows oh. and we had to go hide all of us bundled because they three siblings bundled under the table because they're worried about the, the windows crashing in and waiting for them to go take care of the cows out in the mud. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes, the cows wow. in the mud. Were they were they pink curlers? Did they match the nightgown? They were pink curlers, yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So quite a sight. That is the only, fun, the only sponge rollers I knew were always pink. So I, Maybe that's the only color they made. It did not even occur to me to question that until, until you asked the question just now. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious if there was anything else. It's the only way I've ever seen them from that era. I know now there's like there's black with like nice satin wrapped around them and stuff. But but back in the day, I think it was just well. You see, oddly, I have very curly hair, and uh, I don't actually know why I was curling my hair at that time. So I have no idea what sorts of curling things are are available now because I don't use them. <laughs> you don't use them now. See, I definitely I needed the curlers. I definitely need the curlers then and now. So what is something you wish you could have understood more deeply when you were 12 years old? I think I would have been a better person if I had had more confidence in myself. Ooh. I think. But, you know, I think all the time we, we always want to, like, like we have this dream of being the person who makes it big as an author mm-hmm. when we're young. And I didn't publish until I was 40s. Seven, forty-six, forty-seven. Mm-hmm. I have to do the math every time. But um, <laughs> but I realized that I'm in a so much better place. I I thought when I was twenty years old that life was as good as it was ever going to get. 
Uh-huh. And it could only go down from here. And I have learned that life just keeps getting better and better. And the it, as it gets richer, more opportunities come. And it's just, it's all good. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to know there's still more out there and still more to experience. Yeah. I like that very much. So let's talk a little bit more about your book. What do you hope readers will take away from reading your novel? You know, with all of my fiction, the sort of central theme of my writing is that there is beauty in the hard things. Oh. So my books deal with some pretty weighty, some pretty meaty kinds of of issues, but also there's beauty and there's goodness and there's light in it and hope. And, and I always want it to be ultimately uplifting. And I would say that probably that is a lesson that has come to me because of my daughter who has Down syndrome and has really turned my life upside down in the best of ways and made me rethink my entire view of the world in a way that made me so much better a human being than I was before. That's amazing. I love that. As so that really kind of adds to the perspective even in your writing, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, and I hope that maybe book three will have a person with Down syndrome in it. That's what I'm hoping for. Oh, that's exciting. Is your, are your books more of a series? Or are they built on top of each other? No, no, they're all, they're all standalones. I do see potential for certain books to have a world that grows around them, mm-hmm. but they would all stand independently. And so have you put that into this third book? I have, actually. I ha- actually have several revisions of it done already, but it needs another really big one. So that's what I'm in the process of doing right now. That's so wonderful. And what do you get out of writing? Like, what does it bring to you and to your life? I don't, I can't even answer that question because I can't imagine. It's like music. Like, if you ask mm-hmm. me, what does music bring? I don't even know. It's just a part of who I am. I, I don't think that I would be me without it. So I guess mm-hmm. it, I guess the answer is it brings me me. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, take away the arm and yeah, my arm is just part of me. So I don't know what I'd be without it because it's just part of who you are. Yeah. Although I think I would. Oh, I think that losing an arm would be difficult. But to me, the loss of either music or um, or writing would be something much more profound than really than a physical. I mean, bear in mind, I live in disability world now, so yeah. I recognize that uh, that we can be that we are more than the sum of our physical parts. Mm-hmm. And so. the importance of those other pieces of who we are. Yeah, I love that. That is very that is very deep. When you were younger, did you have anyone who encouraged your music or your writing or those expressive parts of yourself? You know, writing was something I've kept very, very close to the close to the vest um, my whole life until the last few years. And it was very difficult to put myself out there and say, I am an author. Mm. It was excruciating to have to call around to places and try to do research for a road trip novel, actually, as an oh, unpublished cool. author. But with music, I had lots and lots of encouragement. Because I was, I was a really good flute player, and uh-huh. so I had a lot of teachers who were in my corner all the way through. And I think that those things all feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. So confidence in one area helps you discover confidence in others. So then, what finally brought the writing to the light of day? What kind of finally let you bring that to to fruition? You know, it was just a process of growing and and maturing as as a human being and recognizing at some point as I would write and write and write. And then as I started to actually learn how to write instead mm-hmm. of just writing for myself, and then to, to realize that there's something in here that I want to share mm-hmm. and to take that seriously enough 
to start querying and to go through the query trenches for years and years and 12 different rounds of querying on four different manuscripts, you know, to go through all of that. By the time you get to the end of that, by the time you get a literary agent, then at that point, it was like, I, I actually feel that I can say this with confidence now, that it's not just in my head anymore. I, I actually am an author and I do have something to say. It's terrible oh. that you have to that you have to wait for someone else to give you permission to do that. But that's why I'm saying it's like I'm I'm much better publishing at the age of 46 or 47 than I would have been at the age of 20. But I've had no idea what to do with it. Yes, that is incredible because it is quite a journey. But it's so incredible that you stuck with it. What helped you stick with it through all of those iterations and all of those attempts? Because it's not easy. Well, in the first several rounds, mm-hmm. I was a mother of young children. Mm-hmm. And I did not have time to obsess about whether or not you know, going all Don music, I'll never get there. You know, <laughs> I, I did some of that. I did do some of that, but there was not a whole lot of time to obsess about it. Particularly, I, I have uh, I have four children and they're um, now getting into the age where they're just very busy and I'm more chauffeur. But when they were little, it was very, very intense. And there was just not enough time to devote to obsessing, mm-hmm. I think. And so there's a benefit to that. Yes. <laughs> to let it take its course and like let it be what it's going to be until you get to the place where it comes together. Yes. And so for you, writing, has it you always written and it's always been part of who you are and just always. finding the way to the novel took a little while or? You know what? The, the astonishing thing is I've written stories since I was, I don't even know how old. When mm-hmm. we had, when my parents first got a computer, my first stories were actually handwritten on notebook paper and then they got typed into the computer and then blah, blah, blah. You know, it went on and on and on like that. And I didn't, it didn't occur to me that I was writing novels Mm -hmm. until I was probably 20 years old. And suddenly it occurred to me to look on Google. and Because Google was finally there to look at. Because Google was finally there to look at. That's right. And to say, how long is a novel? And when I saw that a novel was somewhere between 75 and 100,000 words, and I looked at what I was writing, I was like, holy cow. I've written like four novels already. I mean, they were terrible. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but I'd written like four already. Yeah, you're like, all right, this is what I'm doing. I this is what do I'm doing. something with this. That's right. That's a great way to start the story and do that. That's great. Well, good. So as we kind of wrap things up, how can people actually find you and locate you in your books? What's the best way? I would look up Kathleen Basie author on, on Facebook. That's where I am probably the most active. Can you spell that for people? K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N. And Basie is B-A-S-I. I I'm like married that. in Italian. Married in Italian. That's what <laughs> happens. You get, you get a nice, efficient last name that way. B-A-S-I. Right. Nice and easy to spell. And then we'll also be in the show notes so folks can just look there and find you as well. But I'm auditory, so I love it when we spell it. If people are driving or doing other things. And what book or story inspires you the most? You know, this book that always comes to mind first is Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel, which is like a dystopian sci-fi kind of thing. It's not at all what I write. It's no nowhere in the realm of women's fiction. But what I find so striking about this book is that we're talking about a world post-pandemic where that went a whole lot faster than the pandemic we just went through. And yet, and there's like some really horrible people in this book and some really horrible things that happen. And yet it's really uplifting. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, takes you through community and relearning, recreating society and how we are all interdependent on each other. And it's just, it's beautiful. 
is the way it's just, it's not what at all what I expected. And so that book has really stuck with me over time. Yeah. The ability to take something that has like that grime to it and then make it so uplifting and beautiful and that yes. skill that it takes to do that. Yes. I like it. That's and it's also, it, it matches up with my philosophy of writing fiction too. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing this with us today. Thank you for having me. Yes. And do you have an idea about when your next book is looking at coming out sometime? It's still in the process. Let's still just put it that process. way. All right. <laughs> well, good. So just, just find you on Facebook and then you'll be aware when these things That's are happening. That's right. That's right. I like it. All I right. will let make sure everyone in the world knows. Everyone in the world. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Kathleen. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Authors Express Podcast so you can be up to date with what's coming out next. Don't forget, keep it express, but keep it interesting.